0: Thanks for joining us. This is Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we're excited and honored to be talking with Lisa Wheeler about how she helps people through what is typically called a spiritual crisis. Lisa is a certified professional counselor and has her own practice in Austin, Texas, where she specializes in working with teens and families. During the conversation you're about to listen to, Lisa opens up with us about her own spiritual and paranormal experiences throughout the course of her life. And even credits those experiences with eventually leading her to the type of work she does now. Let's go ahead and go to that conversation now. So I just was wondering like what is what is the kind of work that you do?
1: professional counselor. Okay. Um, that's my, that's my professional training. Um, but I, I work a little bit, um, not outside of that, but I would say that, that, the kind of work that I do and the kind of people that I see, um, generally my niche is that they are experiencing, um, symptoms that include like voices, visions, like, um, telepathy or like kind of psychic phenomenon.
0: Really? Okay. So, And how long have you been doing this?
2: Well, four to five years. Okay. Yes. You're listed on the uh, Spiritual Emergence Network. Yes, I I am. am.
0: I'm going to briefly interrupt the conversation here to provide a little background information on Spiritual Emergence and the Spiritual Emergence Network. According to AnnDevon.com, the term spiritual emergence refers to the aspect of human development which seeks meaning and connection beyond our personal identity, which leads to a greater capacity for wisdom, compassion, and respect for all life as well as a deeper sense of personal security and inner peace. This growth can be challenging, even tumultuous, at times turning into a crisis known as a spiritual emergency. Stanislav Groff and his wife Christina coined the term in the late 1970s as part of the transpersonal psychology movement, which integrates the spiritual and transcendent aspects of the human experience with a framework of modern psychology. Spiritual Emergence Network, SEN, was founded in 1980 by Stanislav and Christina Groff in response to the lack of understanding and respect for psychospiritual growth in the mental health profession now let's go back to the conversation where lisa is describing stan groff's view of spiritual emergence Yeah,
1: he kind of he didn't view it as a um like as a pathology or a problem to fix, it was more of like an opportunity. And it was like, what is this, you know, um, what are these experiences like kind of naturally happening to teach the person? Like you looked at it like a, it was a growth experience instead of a, you know, like a sickness or an illness. I think that's probably the best way to describe kind of his um, his viewpoint and what it does. It helps people that um, are having symptoms like that that don't normally maybe fall into a category of like oh i need to go to you know a psychotherapist or a or a psychiatrist um maybe that's really uncomfortable for the person because they're like well you know they might think i'm crazy so groff is one of these kind of these people that um well he's he's just one of the more well-known ones and so you know people go to his site so i'm listed on the site
0: Yeah, that's really great. I think that it's important work that people do like you because um, I could see how someone would have like visions or something like really profound happening to them and think to themselves, "Uh uh-oh, yeah, like something might be seriously wrong with me Mm -hmm. and then go to a normal psychologist and then they would say, and then they would be afraid to say everything because they don't want to be like on medication or labeled or something Yes. And then this way, you're telling them like, "Hey, this is not like necessarily an illness for you. this is something that's happening for a reason mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah
2: yeah I find I found that really fascinating, like the overlap between um, you know what could be signs or symptoms of mental illness and what could be signs or symptoms of spiritual awakening and if you look back in history, you have to wonder if a lot of people were misdiagnosed and even even locked away. I mean even if we look at I mean things like homosexuality was considered like deviant behavior or lots of things that now we accept um, as normal were considered mental illness in the past. Um, and so how do you determine when someone comes to you if they said like, um, I'm hearing voices like I'm, I've done channeling I hear I hear voices <laughs> and yeah I, I haven't always or I mostly haven't told people that until on this podcast <laughs> because you do feel like people are going to judge you and um think that you're mentally ill um so how do you determine what category that falls and just let's use this one very specific example because I think there's probably it depends on the symptom but let's say um if someone said they're hearing voices, like, how do you determine the origin of whether that's spiritual awakening or mental illness? That's, and that's the most common one that I hear of people like
1: that, you know, that they, they, um, especially teenagers will have like hearing voices experiences. And then the parents are like, Oh my gosh. So that's a really common one that, um, that I hear about. Um, well, I look at all of it the same. Like I don't really kind of, um, I look at All experiences like that, like some kind of a, it's, it's something that's trying to be expressed, um, in the kind of through the psyche of the person or through the body of the person, um, that needs to be understood and worked through almost like a, um, that's just kind of like one way of looking at it. So, I don't really have a viewpoint and I try to stay really clear with like what I quote, what I think it is. So um, I work more collaboratively with the people to try to help them delineate what they think it is. I mean, it could be, it's, um, you know, all kinds of, you know, it could be um, like a a memory trying to come through or it could be just stress. And that's how, um, that's how people, um, you know, so many, we all sort of process things differently. And people that hear voices, that's just kind of, in my opinion, that's just one way of them processing some kind of stress. So I just try to sort of feel through the situation and talk through it with the um, with the client and to just sort of just determine like what, um, you know, what it may be. And it's actually up to them to sort of be the ones to say, oh, that's it. Or I think that I think that that's what this is about. Like, I I try to stay clear also about putting my own views onto what I think it is. So yeah, that's a long answer. but
0: I like that answer, though. Because, you know, so many times, I think we go even Mm -hmm. to regular doctors, and they're before they even really know, like what it is, they're telling us what it is, you know. And, you know, sometimes they're not always right, Mm -hmm. you know, but mostly we're right when when something's wrong with us you know i think on some level we we know where it's coming from yeah and it's just uh, you know figuring out figuring that out and bringing it up into your conscious mind and are allowing it to come into your conscious mind sometimes Mm -hmm. i guess so. as long as the voice isn't
2: um destructive and telling having them create harm to themselves or others then it shouldn't really matter Right. Yeah, that you have time and space to work. Right. But
1: there are people, and I've worked with them that have very destructive voices, and so um, that is like something that I'll work with. And um, it's just, and again, I can't really say with any certainty what I think it is, but um, I certainly do believe in um, you know, kind of like like a like a paranormal like interaction or something happening. Sometimes it is from the outside in. Um, I think that's definitely also a possibility especially if there's a lot of trauma in the background or maybe even trauma that they don't even know about like that's one of the features that happens is that you do have a lot of sometimes very negative and violence type of voices and even visions that can happen so i just try to hold
2: space for that what do you do in those situations if you if it does seem to be a paranormal experience how what kind of tools do you have or is there are there people that you refer them to or Sometimes I do um, refer them. Um,
1: but I, I my attitude is like, well, the person's having these experiences, they need to learn how to f- like, figure it out for themselves with help, of course. I mean, it's not like I just think, oh, you know, it's up to you to figure this out. But it's more of like, I just try to sort of guide them to um, interacting with it or not, inter- like, is it something that will talk back? Is it something that... I just, there's just kind of a whole list of like sort of exercises that we can do in order to, um, kind of just help guide the way through. Um, I do hear themes. It, it's interesting how, like I've heard of, um, you know, one of them is like, a. have heard of several people that get like haunted by like kind of like a shadow person. Like that's, that's a term I've heard a lot is like mm-hmm. just a tall, dark, Like, Shadow Man, they'll describe... I mean, these are people that are not connected at all. Um, So it's... I don't know. It's interesting to, like, you know, listen to the themes. Does it ever spook you? That might spook me. (laughs) Well, yes, there was... Not really. I can think of one... trying to think of one instance. There was a lady that came that really thought she was possessed and had been to exorcists and all of that that was a that was pretty uncomfortable for me because she would she would say oh it's talking to me now or the demons are saying things and again i'm just tried to kind of just hold space but also be protective of the space i have not had the experience of like something following me home or anything like that happen so i i don't feel like i've had been accosted by any or affected by any kind of spiritual nuances that my clients bring, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: That's pretty interesting. N- not though. that
1: I know of, <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> actually, there's this
2: weird shadow. People. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> not uh, funny. Yeah. Um, that is a thing, though, I think the shadow people, because I watch a lot of those shows, Tiana Ty- knows, um, and they often report that when they're being, like, you know, haunted or whatever the case is. Um, that it's just like this black shadow figure. And apparently there are several different types where sometimes it's a dead person like presenting themselves that way. And that's Mm -hmm. a really kind of Mm -hmm. more mild version. And then other times there's an actual shadow person and those are actually really bad and they can do a lot of harm to you. Apparently this is what the person who hosts the show that I watched tells us. But um, I, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like that, but I could see, like you can see the people who are affected by it are, absolutely terrified you know it just seems like a horrible experience to have Mm -hmm. to go through Mm -hmm. whether they're generating that from their own mind you know or it's happening externally doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. you know it's the same effect Mm -hmm. on them
1: well and it's just kind of working with learning how to work with energy and learning how to um, like what works for you in terms of techniques or any of that to sort of help them Um, a lot of times there's not much you can I mean I don't like work like a psychic, I guess, or like what you would typically think of as a psychic where I like, I read the people and then I tell them what's going on. It's more where, but however, I do think that there is a time and place for that. So that is needed, but it's more just like, how can I help you deal with this? You know, without going into fear and, you know, kind of panic and overwhelm.
2: So Did you need to receive special training to work with people that have these issues, or is it pretty much the same toolkit that you use, but just in a very specialized way, maybe also even drawing from your own experiences and then knowing how to help people because of your own spiritual journey.
1: Yes. Well, definitely, I would say, you know, 98.9% of what I bring into the room is from my own experience through, um, experiencing a lot of like very unusual phenomena myself. Um, so that's most of what I, is just what I've learned through going through that. Um, you know, I went through that. It started abruptly in 2008 for me and um, it went on, um, I would say, in a very direct and profound way for about a year. And then it slowly started to kind of taper off. And then I just actually, from that from that point, I went into traditional therapy. And I had a really great therapist who really kind of saw me and what I was dealing with and, was, and really helped me work through what I needed to work through. So for sure, it was me going through the unknown um which i came out the other side and i'm here to say i still don't know and it's funny how that happens it's like we don't know you know it's like i just know that there's so many ways that people express themselves and experience stress and they're just trying to work through their processes differently very uniquely sometimes
0: yeah i'm sure i have a couple questions from that so do you mind telling us about what happened to you in 2008 and and everything that that led up to it maybe? And and then, um, also the second question is before I forget, Mm -hmm. um, And then the person that you went to, the therapist to help you through it, Mm -hmm. was that someone that's trained the same way you are now? Or was it just like more traditional?
1: She was more traditional, but very open-minded. So she was actually just, she has a, she's a psychologist, but she, um, had been through a similar trauma experience that I had been through. And, um, which was some of what was happening with me, um, what some of my, that was playing into my sort of my paranormal year, um, of events. And so she, she just held me right. I I can't, like, I, um, I mean, it took me a a while to tell her my whole story, but I didn't ever feel judged or, you know, she, she got it. So, um, you know, it's certainly not any kind of a special training. It's just, for me, it was just her, just her being that was comforting and the way that she handled me.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people who go into those professions are natural healers, you know, mm-hmm. and if they had gone down the more like esoteric path, they would have been like one of these people who works in non-traditional healing, but right. since yeah. they took the traditional path, they still have that inside of them, yeah. you know? Yeah. She's probably just one of those people.
1: Well, and she studied like the kind of the esoteric and shamanic type of healing. So oh, okay. she does have that, but she, she hangs her, her shingle is psycho, psychologist. So.
0: Okay so what what did happen to you
1: okay well i'll try to keep this brief and succinct because it's it's (laughs) we've got time it's um it's a lot um well after so i had two children this was after my second child who was a boy um was born I started to sort of get the sense that something wasn't right with me. And that is such a vague thing to say, but that's, that's really kind of the only way that I could describe it. It was like, something's off, something's not right. I'm not, um, I, felt very, I felt very constricted suddenly. Like I felt um, I could like reach my hand up and sort of touch the edge of my existence. It was like a ceiling and I wasn't able to go past a certain point. And it didn't feel good, and it was concerning to me. Well, I was also coping um, with with some some of these uncomfortable feelings with um, a lot of alcohol, and I was like to the point like where I'd black out sometimes. And I was just like Lisa, no, you can't be doing this. So. um I definitely had my conscience kind of woke me up and I just started um sort of just searching like I kind of I cleaned up my eating and I cleaned I didn't you know I stopped drinking for the most part um and smoking and I just started kind of on this you know journey of like lots of reading and lots of studying and lots of asking questions and I was in these book groups where we talked about reincarnation and um I was just searching 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 Not really. I mean, it was definitely, it was leading me to a place, but it wasn't until we moved into this particular house that, um, we had built the home, but we had to, um, we had to tear down the place that was like really old and running down. Um, and then we built our home on that same land. Well, i the, and there were people living in the home. There were renters. They were renting the space when we um, actually bought it, so bought the property. There was some paranormal stuff that they had reported that had already been going on there. Um, apparently, the woman that lived there had passed away um, like in the in the 90s or 80s. Yes, and she was an artist, and she was a Jungian something or other. Um, very interesting, I think, sounding person but she actually had passed away on the land so in the home um and we when we bought the property there was also a lot of her art that was left she was an artist so anyway we we built our home on that property and we moved in and oh my goodness like the weird things just started to happen and it started off you know small and then it just grew um Two people even reported seeing her and talking to a ghost in our home. One of them had to quit working for us. It was so frightening to her. Um, just it, well, and it was not that the the person was so frightening. It was like that was so pronounced. She's like, this is too much for me. Um, toys were going on and off by themselves. The TV was going on and off by themselves. Um, one of my kids was not sleeping at all. Any kind of trite paranormal thing that would happen, happened. And there's wow. so many things that, gosh, I could go on and on for 10 minutes about all the things. I would get these weird texts that didn't make sense. Um, my husband and I, we were both like also kind of having weird dreams and seeing and hearing things.
0: Were, were the texts like just from random numbers or? Yeah,
1: I didn't know who they came from. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. yeah, that And that's a huge mystery because I'm like, who sent me those? I don't know. Um, I think it was probably one of those things that was, I don't know, um, but I definitely felt like I was going a little bit insane and it, and, um, but um, just the uncertainty and the feeling in the home was, was my trigger that unlocked me and nothing could have ever prepared me for what I went through. I, I, there was no amount of reading or studying whatsoever that could prepare me for going through this. Um, but it, was, it honestly felt like, I remember at one point I felt like my head was almost like opening, and I could hear so much talking. It, it sounds like, um, I mean, it's kind of like what you would think like a schizophrenic person would hear, but I remember just hearing all kinds of, lots and lots of voices in my head. And then there was, of course, like, you know, the experiences going on in my home that other people were experiencing too. So you can imagine like just the sense of overwhelm in general.
0: Were they conversations that were happening, like not with you, like with each other or what were they just like, could Um, you tell? At one
1: particular time, it was just more like, wow, I can just hear a lot of voices. Okay. um, And just talking. Um, What was also happening with me though, is I was also having really weird kind of layered psychic experiences happen to me. Like I could see things on people or I had all of these visions and I had no idea what to do with all of this. I was just like, I don't know. So I um, was afraid to go to a psychotherapist because I'm like, they're going to think I'm crazy and oh my gosh. So I actually kind of went more the new age route and um, work with a few people There was one that was great and he, um, I still like think of him and the things he said to me to this day, very helpful. Although he also said, um, this is way beyond what I'm like used to dealing with. Like, this is not the normal, um, kind of like mediumship work that I do. Um, so I, but I really appreciated him for saying that, but he actually was very helpful. Now, a few of the other people that I got, um, involved with were not helpful and they ended up making everything worse. Mm. So, you know, just to sort of tie it all up as best I can, um, I ended up running away at one point. It was just very, very frightening. I had endured some things in childhood that I had completely, completely blocked out. And I mean, so it was like an amnesia experience. So a lot of the things I was seeing in the stories that I was kind of like walking around in, you know, day to day were, were some of my memories coming back. That's kind of what the the unsettling feeling in my home and not knowing what's going on. That was paralleling what I felt like when I was little, and so that when that stuff started to come up, I remember just telling God I did not want to know. Like I could feel how bad it was, and um, I tr- I did as much. I was telling God no, and I didn't want it to come because I couldn't handle it. So that went on. There was a lawsuit, you know, between my husband and I, because we were so afraid of each I mean, it was, you know, it didn't really have anything to do with him, but it was just like we, it was just, we were both so frightened. And we did reconcile after that, but it was, it, it went on for a while. And I continued to have the experiences um, for years afterward. And now they've definitely died down and they look very different to me now. I mean, I experience. The invisible world much differently now than i
0: did before
1: and it doesn't overwhelm me anymore but yeah that's
0: so your marriage didn't survive this whole process then
1: well it did for a little while because um well initially we we separated temporarily and then we got back together because we did have some things to work out. Like I was trying to deal with my, my childhood stuff and that was kind of the first step. And then, so, um, we're not together anymore, but we definitely split apart with more consciousness about like, you know, yeah. What, you know, the,
0: the whole thing. Yeah. 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 So if you don't mind me asking, yeah, what you said, there were a couple of people along the road that kind of made things worse. Yeah. Were these um, people who were professionals or were they like more? Um...
1: They were. Um, one was kind of just a friend person that um, I got referred to and then two were professionals. Really? Yes. And um, I'm really clear about what went wrong there. <laughs> and, and that's why I'm really careful about what I do today. So I was, you know, um, I was somebody that had no idea, like, how to handle what was going on. Like, I was so vulnerable. You know, I was just a walking volcano of, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm seeing these things. I'm hearing these things. I really needed someone to, like, help me ground. Although, when I think about it, I don't think that anything could have, quote, stopped it. I just, I needed somebody to hold my hand and say, we're going to get through this. Like, I'll help you figure it out. And I'll help you. And I believe you that what you're seeing is
2: terrifying and is real to you. That I believe you part, I think it's so powerful that people don't realize how important that is. That's
1: everything. That's so true. Um, Because I remember being accused of, like, I got accused of, like, embellishing my experiences when you guys, (laughs) I wasn't, like, if anything, I was downplaying them because that was how big they were. But... They were the kind of experiences where if you tell somebody like a normal person what's going on they're gonna be like oh my god girl you need to go into the you need to go into shoal creek or something you know um and get some help for that yeah um but what they did was um what these particular people did that was so harmful is that they discerned what my experiences were for me Uh and that was a big mess they kind of put their own views about what they thought they were. And that's, in a lot of ways, what caused a lot of the, just the, you know, the divorce and like all of that. It was very harmful. And, you know, for me, I think that's the most, actually the most damaging part of my story. And that's the part that hurts me actually the most is that I went to, you know, I went to go get help and it was almost like... I felt exploited. I felt um, kind of like sensationalized in a way, sort of like they were like using my own experiences to kind of further their own agenda because they did have an agenda. It just, it felt terrible. (laughs) So yeah, I do think reading, going to a psychic reading, I love going to psychic, I go, I love doing Mm -hmm. that. But I just have a, um, I'm very particular about the people that I, that I go to, and I feel like I'm a really good judge of character in that way as to who is, who is considered safe, in my opinion, and who's not. Because, um, I mean, I'm kind of like walking proof about the damage that that can cause when somebody's sort of doing your discernment
2: process for you. (laughs) I think a lot of that kind of abuse is coming out now, you know, and it is because in those kind of situations someone is making themselves vulnerable and so it's it's so important to have this high integrity as a practitioner and to yeah to keep doing our own inner work because it could be very easy and i teach us in the reiki class um people will want to put you up on a pedestal and want to um no. you know ask you you know oh help this me mean, or, yeah yeah and yeah. so it could be very easy for our ego i mean because the thing is that some spiritual practices, people believe that they have killed the ego and that's very dangerous. And so uh, then it becomes the shadow and, it, and it, it gets in there and it controls things a lot. And so if we're not constantly doing our own inner work as practitioners, it could be really easy for the ego to slip in there and just, it feels good. Oh, I've got the answers for you. Here's what you need to do. And, and so I see that a lot in all sorts of different yeah. kind of helping fields that... Um, for the client it is really important to develop some kind of discernment which is hard when you're in a traumatized or vulnerable state and so yeah i don't know i mean i think before in the old world (laughs) there used to be like oh you can trust this organization tells you who's safe but i mean it's so much of it's very subjective like we it's unfortunately we're having to learn for ourselves what's the right fit and who's the right right person
1: well in so many cases too it's like image management it's like they can put themselves up and uh, you know and seem like a very safe you know you know they have all of these accolades and degrees and all this training and it's like that at the end of the day that doesn't mean I mean to me I'm like well let me just see how you feel when I'm with you (laughs) um Mm -hmm. yeah I think sometimes that can be kind of an easy hiding place for some people
0: yeah and if also from the client's perspective if they're not really ready to face what's happening to them in an honest way they will buy into that
1: and that's exactly right so i don't feel like i don't know who they i don't know what they feel like inside so i mean there um there are plenty of cases where i'm like oh i think i i think i sense what has happened to this person you know and i may like sort of maybe ask questions or sort of test it a bit Mm -hmm. and if you know, but it's really not for me to say. And I feel like that's also what happened to me was that people were sort of making these assumptions about me and um, things that happened. And there was, to, to some degree, it was true, but it was also, it was very, what do you call it? I Just arrogant and just, and, and I do, you know, and I do see this in some like spiritual communities too, like even like in like shamanic practices, like where you sort of, you you can you know you can tell people if they've been abused or not. I mean, I'm not I'm really not comfortable with that, and I don't think that that's wise. And I don't actually I don't think it's compassionate care for the for the person. I, I really don't because, and this just happened too. Like the good psychic that I worked with, the one that I really did did help me. Um, he actually passed a client to me a few years ago, and he said, "You're not going to believe this, but she's just like you." And so here she comes and yes, it is like a repeat of me. I mean, they had, it was, it was very odd how um, similar our experiences were. And I had a sense of, ooh, what it may mean for this person. And it was, I mean, we've been working for several years. She's now just finally coming to terms with some of that, but that was on her own. So to me, that's the ideal way. And you can't just do it real quick.
0: Yeah, and doesn't it make give you this sense of, like, maybe you did go through this for a reason, like, now you're doing this yes. kind of work and helping people. Oh, for know? sure. So.
2: Yeah, that wounded healer archetype. I see mm-hmm. that a lot, that, you know, we'll have some powerful traumatic or crisis experience that um, wounds us but later becomes our mm-hmm. gift because then we have the empathy and understanding how to help people with that yes. same wound. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So after all this happened was when you got interested in doing this kind of work then?
1: Yes. Um, I was deciding between, um, because I have a teaching background. I used to teach um, special needs middle school a while back. That was when I got my bachelor's in. I was deciding between, my choices were to become like a Waldorf teacher, because I really love the whole like Rudolf Steiner, the whole education system. It's really interesting to read about. Or I thought about becoming a psych, like a traditional psychotherapist, or I also thought about becoming um, going to seminary school. So at the end of the day, I chose the kind of the more plain vanilla like psychotherapist because I thought, well, I liked that it gave me some of the science background a little bit because I'm like, my experiences were pretty wild. <laughs> and, and, um, and at the end of the day, it ended up really validating and backing up everything that I had. So it was a really nice, like, I loved going to school and learning about. Psychology and all of that, so it it definitely enhanced and it strengthened um, and it validated what I had already gone through. So,
2: and we need people like you that have you know gone through a traditional kind of validated path mm-hmm. that can be a bridge, right? Yeah, that understands both sides. Yeah. and so I think that's really important because there are a lot of people on on the more alternative path um, that aren't. Grounded in traditional practices that um, can't make things practical and realistic for people. Right. And I, you
1: know, I am the first one. I love going to like, you know, all these different healers and people like that. And I love to play, I mean, just experience all of that. You know, for me too, just to be completely honest, um, I was really, went through a lot of like humiliation and just like personal embarrassment around my situation. And so, I felt like I could use some, like, kind of just more grounding in general just to sort of make
2: me believable or,
1: you know, I, I just, credible, yeah. mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough to go through these experiences, but then to have other people witnessing it and judging you and or humiliating yeah. you, like, that I can't even imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have a hard enough time dealing with my own past history of humiliations that replay in my mind occasionally. And you know, that feeling you get like, Oh, it's just awful. Oh, yeah. 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 So you have listed on your website that you help people who are going through a spiritual emergency. Mm -hmm. And so what would qualify as something like that? Kind of like what you are describing. Just that... a
1: crisis of any kind, just like a, you know, like my, I'm, you know, anything from I can't live the way that I'm living anymore, just kind of knowing that and knowing that something needs to change. I mean, I think any kind of like a, you know, like a, a, a relationship split or a loss, somebody died. I mean, any one of those things can qualify.
0: Do you feel like there are more and more people going through these kind of things nowadays? Do you think like it's increasing? I feel like it is just because of what something you said just now. Where um, I feel like I can't live this life anymore. You know, because people go to these nine to five jobs, and then at some point they're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's hard for me to say because I feel like you know, in some ways, I sort of live in just my little life. You know, um, so I gravitate towards people who are you know on these kind of types of tracks, and so that's my world. And I have to say that. I was surrounded by a lot of people that were on the opposite track. So I, I don't know. I think just too with our, just, you know, our nation situation, national situation that we have going on, I do think it is kind of pushing us to be like, none of this is okay. What do we do? Um, you know, this, this way of living and being isn't working.
0: Yeah, certainly not sustainable. I mm-hmm. would think. Like at some point, we're gonna have to shift into a new modality. I would think, yeah, because you know this this stuff can't go on forever. Yeah. Like this consumption and this Mm-mm. waste and all this stuff yeah. that we're doing. You know this. I wouldn't think, no. but you have a lot of really good uh, blog entries on your website too. I really like those, and there was one that particularly stood out to me, uh-huh. and it was the one where you were talking about how if somebody detaches from their emotions, then they end up blaming and shaming others Mm -hmm. in in this outward projection. Mm -hmm. Or or there's the other case where they end up blaming and shaming themselves. Mm -hmm. And they have this like feeling of um, they're not good enough or something, Mm -hmm. you know, keep repeating in their mind. Mm -hmm. And so it made me wanna ask you, what are the consequences of not dealing with your emotions properly? And do you see that a lot with your clients?
1: Yes, and you know, um, I'm glad you asked that because I, I just think that that is just at, at the very root of like most everything, um, most all the problems that we have. Um, is particularly anger um, is a big one that I, I see in men and women in different ways. We don't know what to do with our anger. And so we, um, you know, as women, we stuff it. And then as men, I mean, and I'm speaking very generally, this is not a, um, I'm not, um, but, you know, it, typically women have been taught to sort of, you know, stuff our anger and be polite and, and sweet. And then the men, some, you know, it just, sometimes it can overpower them and they, um, you know, end up like wanting that cathartic release and getting it out. So, and they can put their anger on other people. That's like such a, I think if people could go, figure that out for themselves, I think there'd be so much less harm done. Um, and not that we ever get to the point where it's like, all f- like oh, everything, I don't really believe that, oh, everything's always like, is all worked out in people ever. Some people believe that. I don't feel comfortable with that. I think we're always, you know, cause we're humans, we have wounding and we're gonna be wounded, but it's just more like speaking to it and being honest about it. And then also being honest about what you need specifically about the 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 inward and the outward um, dealing with emotions yeah, I don't think I mean emotions carry energy anger carries energy especially and if you are not owning your anger and you yell and scream at your kid, it's like they swallow it because kids don't have defense mechanisms yet really. I mean they don't have those ways of, sort of blocking and so to me i look at that like it's almost like cursing them it's almost like they're gonna swallow and quote take on your your anger and rage that you're not dealing with and then they're gonna act it out you know because that's what kids do they you know they can't you know put their feelings into words yet they just become them for you so it's um I think that's a really common pattern and I think that's at the heart of so much. And then the other direction is if you, you know, if you blame and shame yourself, like if, you know, if somebody um, goes the other direction, then you, you inwardly harm yourself. So both ways are very harmful.
0: Yeah. I think I could relate to that a lot, you know, cause I seem to keep coming back to that again and again in my life. Like I need to um, find a way to, Appropriately deal with my emotions, you know. First of all, feel mm-hmm. them, you know, and that's yes. that's the kind of the stage I'm at. I think right now is like it's okay to have feelings and to feel them, you know, because yes. I think as yeah. men we're you know brought up to be like you shouldn't have feelings. You should you can't cry, you can't do this, and and oh by the way, you can't get mad either because that's not appropriate. But yeah, we do, you yeah. know, and it's just like there's a, an appropriate way to deal with those, right? And I think um, it's probably different for everyone to figure out how to how to do that, but yeah. Yeah, but I think the first step is like recognizing it.
1: Yeah, and that you're and anger's all emotions are there for reasons. Like anger is very valid. Like there's always a valid reason as to why somebody has rage or anger. To say that like you know stop getting mad or you know that's ridiculous. No, you know that's that's not like actually like honoring your own experience either. Yeah. So I think you know as a parent to me, just helping our kids learn how to tolerate the emotions. I mean, that's really hard though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially but, as a kid, But it's
2: super important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you that I think, um, the fact that our society doesn't honor and value emotions and that there's no universal framework teaching us, how uh, to have a healthy expression with our emotions? I do believe that that's at the root of most of our societal problems. Mm-hmm. As grandiose as that sounds, if you look at it, really, you know, emotions are what drive our behavior. If it was just, you know, so because I work with it subconscious all the time, yep. and that's you know, emotions and beliefs, and and if everything was just done by our logical conscious mind, there'd be no problem. You know, we right. all basically know what's. Healthy and right behavior in general, but we can't follow that because of these really powerful emotions, and we don't know why they're they're driving us. And so emotions give us information about ourselves. Like you mm-hmm, said, like mm-hmm. anger, anger can be telling me somewhere that um, I'm not holding a healthy boundary, that where I feel yep. like I'm not being respected, and so right. I get angry. And so if I if I could let it be okay that I get angry. And I sit with it, if I sit with it like you were saying, um, Tim, then uh, as it kind of processes and settles down some, then I can kind of look at it and see like, okay, Mm -hmm. why did I get angry and what is this telling me? Oh, okay, maybe next time I need to tell someone no i can't do that i'm sorry yeah. um, that doesn't work for me instead of i think as women we do this a lot like oh sure yeah whatever you need you know go along with things yeah. and then at some point we're like oh my god like you know yeah what about I'm me so stressed <laughs> out yeah, yeah. i have too much going on uh-huh. yeah and so that anger is pointing out to me like right. oh wait take a look here something's yeah. out of balance our emotions right. when they're big like that, they're pointing us, something's out of balance, take a look and right. make some adjustments. Yeah. Their
1: emotions are helpful. Yeah. And same thing with like short, irritable, you know, I'm always like, okay, if you feel irritable, then that means you need to, like, you're not something, you're missing something in yourself because yourself is actually kind of mad at you. You know, it's like, it's saying, hey, 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 wait, stop. Cause I think like that can be kind of a, you know, like a lot of people just fear that, feel that, God, why am I so irritable? You know, I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, before it goes to actually maybe anger, then um, that's always a really good indication of like, okay, we need to kind of just stop. Why don't you just stop doing and figure out what direction you need to go here with that? What is that irritableness trying to teach you about yourself?
0: Yeah. And it could be just like, you're taking on too much. You yeah. need rest. You need yes. something. Usually I would think, you yeah. know, in my case, it happens to be that. You Me know? too. Yeah. Me too.
1: Yeah. I'll it's, get real short with people. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. And then
0: there's this inner dialogue that you're noticing that's like you pushing yourself to mm-hmm. do things more. And it's like, you know, maybe, you know, tamper that down a little, like, mm-hmm. Hey, we don't need to push ourselves so hard all the time either. Yeah. Especially in this, I think in a city, and I've talked about this before, people get caught up in the rat race, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, since there are so many other people here to interact with, we do take on a lot just automatically mm-hmm. because we're surrounded by so many people and we, you know, we have all these interactions and we, these commitments and these responsibilities. And I think sometimes we just need to like take a step back and then be like, yeah, maybe go to nature or something like that Mm -hmm. and have some, you know, some downtime, some time to reset, you know, and take a look at the, your life, you know, the, maybe the city, the situation from a different perspective and then Mm -hmm. maybe be like, yeah, okay, everything is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fine now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that helps me a lot actually, which kind of brings me to another point that you guys were talking about, which was you had a post on there about being assertive. Mm-hmm. And is that the same as like speaking your truth? Because I'm learning that that's really important to like be able to say what you need to say, you know, and not feel like you have to hold that back.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I, I view the way that I work with people, too. I'm very like relationship oriented. And that means relationship with Everything. I mean, the relationship to your backyard, to your spouse, to your kids. Like, I'm all I that's how I view everything. And what is your relationship like to X? So, um, in a person to person, you know, relationship, if it's especially if it's like an intimate one, um, you need to be able to give and receive feedback, you know, and because again, we all have some you know, some hurts that will come up in intimate relationships. So it's being able to tolerate hearing feedback about how you're affecting people and vice versa. That's kind of what I mean by like assertiveness and just also just saying what you need and not, um, you know, I hear a lot about like, it is frustrating. We all want our partners to like, just know what we need. And I get that, but it's also like, sometimes we do have to be assertive and just say, I really need a date night or I really just need a quiet night in or I need time to myself, nothing personal, but um, I just need to like not have any stimulation for a while. Just being, um, just getting comfortable with finding that voice in yourself and, and speaking it. And I have to say that's one of the things that has come out of going through such a bizarre and weird And also humiliating and all that and just like that kind of experience um, has shaped me into someone that's like, um, I do things my own way and that's kind of, that's kind of that. And it's not, I I don't look at it like it's not me being selfish, but it's just me knowing myself and knowing what kind of environments work for me or what kind of people, um, because um, you know, when something like that happens to you, I, I do have to be careful. I mean, I owe that to myself, you know, that... Um, I'm not, you know, I don't go into certain places or, you know, just whatever. Um, I just, it's trained me to sort of really get clear on, um, what works for me and to not compromise.
2: I think there's a big learning curve for learning how to be authentic and speak your truth um, but also be sensitive to others, because people tend to to do one or the other. Like maybe they're like, "Well, I tried to, I tried to speak my truth, and and it hurt somebody. So, so now I'm just not going to say anything because." No. Yeah. And so, like, oh, there is. I I see this a lot with my clients, and this with myself. Yeah. Like for the longest time, I think I was so tuned in to other people's needs that i wasn't always expressing (laughs) yeah i think that we probably all have that in common and then but also i can swing the other way too and then speak my truth in a way without taking other people's needs enough into consideration and so oh how can i find that healthy balance and especially on the spiritual path again it's interesting if, if we're not not really talking i'm not really talking about interpersonal relationship but i'm talking about just like even telling the stories that we tell on the podcast and then kind of not always sharing that part of myself with people unless um, they first initiate it because uh, I'm afraid of how they're going to respond to Mm. that and learning how to just kind of stand in who I am. And, And like you, Lisa, I think I've come to a point where I'm more just like through all of these experiences I know who I am and I'm not going to hide that anymore or try to not be that just to make other people comfortable. But I'm also not going to just, because sometimes people go into that, I'm going to speak my truth and they just like railroad over other people. And so there's this weird, I've seen it a lot with people kind of like figuring out how to do that. It takes practice.
1: Well, and it's certainly like, to me, I don't advocate you just, like, barfing all over people, like, for <laughs> cathartic release and, like, saying, you did this and you did that and, you know, bah. you know, that's not, like, the kind of um, speaking your truth that I'm telling you, like, that I'm
2: really talking about. But, yeah. That book, um, that classic book, Nonviolent Communication, yes. I think is helpful for people. Like, yes. Kind of yes. learning and, and reading. Learning the uh-huh. language. Yes.
1: And I love all those kinds of, um, there's so much helpful information because, you know, I mean, We didn't, most of us didn't grow up learning how to communicate in a collaborative way that is respectful and, but that's also like, it's, it's authentic to you and you can, you can be yourself because, and and the blog that you're talking about that you mentioned, that's really important, I think, because it talks about, there's a certain, you know, thing that can happen is when you've grown up in abusive situations, you're afraid of yourself. Like you become afraid to speak. Um, and to say your needs. And so you, you, um, because it's scary, because they're not, it's the classic, like, I tell you what's going on with me, and then I get punished for, or like, I get screamed at, or yelled at, or, bah! you know, well, you do that enough times, and especially to a kid, they're, they're just going to crawl inside themselves. And so finding your voice in those cases can be extremely scary for people. And I have a lot of empathy for that, because know, those are the people that generally are like doormats, you know, they'll let people walk all over them. And it's like, well, there's a really good reason for that. Usually, you know, they were not, they weren't known in their family, maybe, or heard. So,
2: you know, you have to help them crawl out. (laughs) What are your thoughts on, in terms of spiritual crisis, do you think that most of them were pre-planned by the soul coming in as something that they wanted you know to come in and have that opportunity to learn and grow or do you think that a lot of times they're accidental and it happens but it's not part of the plan
1: I'm thinking it's just both and Mm -hmm. I think um speaking for myself mine had the feeling of and I've had people say this it felt very orchestrated Like, there seemed to be sort of this, like, cue of, like, person, enter life, now, go. There was, like, this very, like, odd kind of processional quality to it. So, um, and I definitely, I've written, you know, papers in grad school about this, like, you know, my life before, my life after. So, it very much, that thing that I went through did really define me um and shape me um now it's not my identity so in in my particular case it feels right that it was planned or that i signed quote signed up to take that on but i think that there's also you know i we have free will so i I don't know
2: yeah yeah i'm asking because i don't have the answer for that either i always ponder about that you know in my opinion um life could not be just all pre-planned no. nor could i I also don't believe it's all just chaotic and random and so there's this weird place in between where there's some of each and it's always interesting to ponder about that yeah there's so many
1: stones that are left unturned with my own situation i don't have the answers to but i've learned to just be like okay with that and so i feel like that is also something i can bring to the people that are coming is that like I know you want all the answers, and I get that so bad, like more than anyone. And you might find some of them, and some of them you might not. So it's just kind of like learning how to tolerate sometimes these things that are mysteries.
2: You mentioned that, I think you mentioned that you work with a lot of teens, Mm -hmm. or okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, I mean, on one hand, I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate that a lot of traumatic things are happening to teens. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, it's really... Fortunate if they could work with you at that age and get kind yeah. of the tools and resources to navigate the rest of their life, that would be wonderful.
1: Well, because their brains are being like just the science that when, um, that talks about the way that the teen brain is, is structured. It, it's quote, under construction is like the very kind of most simple way to put it. So, you know, their prefrontal cortex, the management part of their brain hasn't been developed yet. And also if there are unresolved and traumatic events that have happened earlier, a lot of times that's when they will emerge as well. Mm. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the dark creative time of the human is the teen and they're ridiculously impossible to raise. I'm in the middle of it with mine and it's like, it's (laughs) just, Oh, it's hard. But, um, but it's also really valuable because, um, they are really, you know, they need us to help guide them without, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or, you know, because, again, like, we – I mean, they're not really – I don't really view as kids like we're parents, but we're not really – they're not really ours, like, and we don't know what they're coming in with, like, as far as, like, you know, what they signed up to to go through or what their history is or, you know, any of that. So much of that is just, like, we don't know, you know. Mm -hmm. We can have ideas and we can go to people to help them – help us figure that out, but I just – I see – um. Actually, the kid, uh, um, Hunter, my ex, is actually the one that said, Lisa, you need to work with teens," and I, I would have never thought of that, but he was right because I really, I do, I love it. I love, I love helping them. So because I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's. I. I would think it's kind of a unique thing, right? There's not probably a lot of people who specialize in that.
1: Well, I. There are, there are a few, but it's hard and there's a lot of and a lot of people are really really triggered by teens, myself included because they're very triggering they're just <laughs> flat out like they're just they're 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 even more so than little kids it that's my opinion mm-hmm. um, because it's all about you know kind of the individuation process at the time you know we're you know pulling away from mom or dad to figure out who we are well, if your parents are not secure, then it, they're going to thwart that whole process because they have their own ideas about what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing and you know all those expectations
0: yeah I that's the hardest part about raising a kid is that when they get to that point where they're starting to become more independent and at least for me I like I still want to control her but I know I can't you know and mm. I want her to do the right thing but I have oh. to let her figure it out oh
1: it's so hard I'm so yeah. right there in it um Yeah. And in a lot of ways, sometimes like I think my work with clients also prepares me to work with my own children and vice versa. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I think just the one thing like that at the top of the list of like what I gained from my own crisis experience is just of like the so many ways that people cope. Period. And like there's just an endless variety of ways it may be voices, it may be whatever, like, it's all, it's okay. And I really, my hope with all the the work um, is I hope I want to normalize it more. Um, I really want to normalize it. Because, um, you know, even like in a couple of instances, I've had parents, you know, that will say, oh, we, you know, she mentioned to her pediatrician that she was hearing voices, and they told us to just go right, you know, that's serious and to go, we needed to go have her evaluated, and and um, there's such a fear and confusion around it, which I totally get it, but it's it doesn't have to be that way, and it just um, in so many of these cases, it's just the way that they're trying to process something um, or learn
2: about themselves, and. Um, yeah, I do have a question about that because actually I don't work with kids in hypnosis. I do feel like it's a it's a specialized thing and someone should be trained. And cause the few times that I did have kids and I thought, oh, well, you know, I could probably use the same technique. And then, but honestly, I found that it, a lot of times the parents were the ones that needed to come in and, and do the work. They're yeah. kind of like, oh, here's my kid, fix my kid kind of thing. Totally. And so I was wondering, you know, if you're working with a lot of teens, do you, do you work with their parents yes. too? Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. Because and I love
1: doing that. Yeah. I love doing parenting work and I love helping, um, kids and, you know, and parents and all, I mean, trying to help with the communication factors and what is helpful, what is not helpful. Most of the time when I'm working with the team, like the parents will get like updates and, you know, I'm kind of like, these are the things that, um, that would help and try to have these kinds of conversations and I'll give them and then sometimes I want to come in and we'll do sessions together
2: and I'll also do family sessions so that's great because I, I I like more than one time this is it's really made me sad um someone has contacted me a parent and said oh my child thinks that they're gay and can you hypnotize that away like obviously you know that's not right and you know I'm just like wow I don't even know where to go with it. I just said oh that's that's not how it works i It's not the way that I work with someone. If Mm -hmm. your child, uh, if they're not happy and they're wanting to work with me so that they feel better, we can work on that way. But um, it doesn't work like that. And so, yeah, I just wondered if you know you had people like that that could contact you. Mm, I don't think anybody like
1: that would would even be drawn to me. To Uh be honest, I I try to be pretty um, out there. Not out there on my website, but I try to draw in the people that i think not that that person doesn't need me but they're not i think of what is that um conversion therapy
2: so yeah thinking oh I my know. gosh no i know that's awful <laughs> conversion
0: therapy. yeah um i was just thinking like you know the kind of people that reach out to you guys is they've probably gotten to a point in their life where it's pretty extreme right like so mm-hmm. you know people who are having issues just everyday people should go see people like you, I would, I would think, you know, it would be very helpful to go and sit down with your kid and the parents and just talk it out. Mm -hmm. But I don't think very many people do that. I think they wait until it's like this extreme, Mm -hmm. you know, problem Mm -hmm. and then they go and try to address it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think about this idea? Um, this is the way that I see For myself but I'm curious for other practitioners um, because it was some years ago since I've had anyone contact me like that Mm -hmm. and I I do tend to to see I think everything is energy and um, everyone's life is a mirror of their own energy and so I also see my practice which I thought was interesting that you said you had a client that was really mirroring so much of what you experienced yeah so so I always start off with the belief or intention that, oh, if someone found me and seeking me out, then then I there's a reason why that somehow maybe I can help them. But that also it seems that um, the clients that are coming are kind of mirroring where I'm at a lot of times so that like where I like I used to attract maybe clients that would say things not that I I never believed any of that. But I think sometimes like, oh, I attracted uh, somebody who called me like that because I needed to learn how to voice that healthy boundary of like, oh, I, you yeah. know, like how I, can I express to this person, you know, that that's, that's not appropriate way to work with someone versus just being like outraged that somebody would even try to do that or something. I don't know. So I, a lot of times I think that even those kinds of inquiries, they're like, they're lessons for me. Learning oh, yeah. how, how I can, you know, speak up or express or find the right balance between um, what I believe in, in what this person needs or all of those kinds mm-hmm. of things do you, do you feel like that with your practice that, mm-hmm. that it's kind of like this mirroring thing that pe- people show up not only because you can help them but they also teach you things or mirror oh, back things for you too yes
1: I'm definitely like I do not like to be put up on a pedestal at all and like they're always teaching me things for sure mm-hmm. so yeah that definitely happens
0: it happens to all of us. I mean, yeah. we, I, I go through my job and the interactions I have with people is like reflecting the stuff that I need to work on too, you know, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I write software for a living. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, no, I think if that's, that's true for, like I said, I like, think life is a mirror. It's just, you have the awareness in your job to see that. And maybe other people in your job don't see life as a mirror. So they don't get that same opportunity to grow through their experiences the way that you are, because you're yeah. more aware of that.
0: True. I should tell them, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: of course, because you're learning to speak your truth. Yes. So just go around telling everybody, speaking yeah. your truth. I'm sure that's going to go over really well. Yeah. Mm. But we'll you know what? But back to the speaking your truth, like if you know that there's
1: someone that is just closed, I mean, I've just learned to just like, I mean, getting clear on who, where to speak your truth is a good lesson also.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's learning how to... Um, protect yourself protect your own inner child because um, if you speak your truth to someone who or it's not safe Mm -hmm. because they're going to Mm -hmm. negatively you know they're going to attack you or judge you yeah then we're not we're not taking care of ourselves so there's always that weird balance of like okay i need to express myself but i also want to take care and nurture and protect myself and then i also need to think of the other person and you know how that will affect them so there's a lot going on there but luckily it starts to become just kind of natural and you mm-hmm. don't have to like mm-hmm. overthink all mm-hmm. of those pieces every time you want to say something. <laughs> that yeah. would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it. this is kind of off topic, but I think about life sometimes like that, like how complex we really are, you know, to these interactions, just like you're saying, like you're automatically taking into account someone else's feelings and your own feelings. And this, all this is happening, you know, instantaneously. And then you're saying things and, trying to think of what you're going to say at the same time. And it's just, you know, there's just so much potential there. I think, you know, human beings are just so incredibly complex and special, you know, when you think about like everything that's happening, just when we talk to someone and then, you know, let alone, like, you know, plan out your life and live, you know, the way you want to live and all that, you know, that's just so much happening to think that everything is just inside of our brain inside of our head is just not fathomable i mean that's not reality there's something greater Mm -hmm. you know that we're a part of just because you know if you really look at how we live and how we interact with each other it's just so much happening there's no way it can be all programmed into our mind and then we just play it back you know Mm -hmm. it's just so much more than that happening
2: And how we just take that for granted. It's happening all the time. Or even just all the biological, physiological things that are happening without, Mm -hmm. you know, us even focusing on them in each moment. It's pretty mind-boggling. But, of course, we can't think like that all the time. (laughs) we be just like, whoa, all the time. (laughs) Overload, yeah.
1: (laughs) I did think of one little hole that I wanted to fill really quick about something you asked me. Or one of y'all asked me about, Mm -hmm. like... um, do I ever get scared or affected or whatever I do. I do have like, a, um, some things that I do, um, to protect, um, just, it's funny cause I don't ever think about it anymore because I just always do it automatically, both in the office and at home. Um, it's just, you know, simple ritual things that I do that, um, that help preserve the safety and the, and the kind of the containment of the,
0: of what goes on. Yeah. I think that's important to yeah. do that. yeah
1: because you're so like you're being i mean i'm being exposed to a lot of raw stuff that Mm -hmm. who knows what's attached to it and yeah
0: yeah i mean you don't want to be vulnerable to anything to make your job harder to help them yeah right yeah
2: yeah Yeah. are those things that you learned kind of when you were having these paranormal experiences yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I, i you know i clear my space in my office um regularly also just because yeah, people are releasing a lot of emotions and yeah. so forth and everything is energy. Sure. So we yeah. want to create a nice just the same way you want to take a shower regularly. <laughs> you wanna clear your energetic yeah. space and make it nice and yes. clean and fresh. And I had I have this one client who was like a you
1: know, she is a I guess she she's not a practicing psychic, but she used to card read and all of that. I mean, she would actually like she was great because she would come in to be like, oh Like she would kind of give me a read on the room sometimes. Like if she was following somebody else in and I'm like, oh, okay, I need to like clear this out. And I mean, it was just people feel that stuff and it affects how they feel when they're with you. And I just think it's so important to sort of make sure it's cleaned out as much.
0: Yeah. So I have a question. So if somebody comes to you and they're having like these external things happening, Mm -hmm. do you recommend them to go see anybody or do you kind of work through it with them? Not necessarily yourself? I work okay. through it
1: yeah just because once there's like a safety and relationship hopefully that that is in place sometimes those things can not work out but there's it just allows for more um, understanding of what's going on but again I'll just you know it's every person's different and I have done some like there's been some
2: people that have really out there things that have gone on um, really interesting. So, do you have other practitioners then that you kind of consult with? Sometimes you are like, wow, have you ever had this before? Like, what, what did, or? Yes. And mm-hmm. then I'll, and I'll also just like look in
1: books for things. And, um, or of course, like I'll, you know, look online. Um, but it, again, it's mostly just like tuning in to like, what are they, what are they needing for healing? That's kind of my, what I say in the beginning is like, may I be like sort of, help them come to whatever they need
2: to come to at this period of time yeah I also, for healing mm-hmm. i do yeah. that too like just to, before i start my work day i always get clear and i connect with my own divine self and i ask just you know to to work for the highest good yeah. and to be guided right. for the highest good of each person yeah. whatever that is sounds yeah. like yeah i really like that Me too. i like that um from Stan Groff, again, that they really focus on the inner healer. So um, everyone has that within. So I hear from you that you're kind of holding a really safe container for your client's inner healer to emerge Mm -hmm. and you trust that they have that. And so, yeah,
1: that's great. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that whatever they're experiencing, they need, we both can work together to help navigate and, and deal with it whether it means having a conversation with their father or, you know, smudging their house or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. different things like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then allowing that inner healer to come through seems to me like the most effective way to help somebody, you know, that's probably the fastest path to healing. Yeah.
2: And the most empowering. And Mm that goes back to the piece that we're talking about before, where they don't, Feel exploited by someone, or right try to put someone on a pedestal and say like, "Oh, I need you to give me the answer or to fix yes. me," which is actually why I I used to go to psychics, but I I don't feel the need to, yeah. or I don't really because I feel like oh, I have the when best you have that, connection to my own inner truth, do. and so yeah, um, you know, and I think everyone does. It's just mm-hmm. you know how often we are tuning into it or how, you know, learning to connect to it and learning to trust Mm -hmm. it. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I really like, um, when practitioners are helping someone to, to believe in and trust that, yeah, you have Mm -hmm. your inner healer, you have your inner truth and, and let's help that emerge Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, and then you can begin trusting it because, because cause you, you can't be in someone's life, you know, 24 7 for the rest of their life anyway. No, so, yeah. I don't, don't want to be. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lot.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, do you want to give out your website and let people know how they can find you?
2: Sure. Um,
1: my website is just me. It's lisawheelertherapy.com. And um, yeah, I work mostly in person. Um, I will also do. Um, FaceTime type of sessions, um, but it has to be within the state of Texas. So,
0: Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you uh... for having me. Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to give a special thank you to Lisa Wheeler for taking the time to speak with us and for sharing her experiences and knowledge with us. If you're interested in learning more about Lisa and her services, or if you or someone you know is experiencing a spiritual crisis and are looking for someone to talk to, please visit Lisa's website at lisawheelertherapy.com. And lastly, before we go, I'd like to say thank you to Casey Henson for creating the music for this podcast and Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going. For more information about this podcast as well as past episodes and more, please visit our website at beyondtheillusionpodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media as well. Take care.